You're listening to the Drifting Pretty Podcast, a podcast that inspires you to turn your dreams into achievable goals. Welcome to the Drifting Pretty Podcast. I'm your host, Nadine Sue, and this is episode one. Today, the tables are turned and I'm sitting down as a guest. The host today is vice president and head instructor of Drifting Pretty, and he's my hubby, Benson Sue. And debuting in her first co-hosting gig, longtime Drifting Pretty member, fitness queen, mommy of one, software engineer, Linda Nguyen is here today with you. And I am so excited because I don't have to work that hard today. So Benson and Linda, welcome. The show is yours. Hello, everybody. I'm Benson. Um, hey, Linda, how's it going? <laughs> Good. Hello, do you, guys. Do you have the nervous giggles there? I do. <laughs> <laughs> this is our first, uh, co or, well, this is my first hosting gig for a podcast. This is your first co-hosting gig. So I'm a little nervous as well, but uh, I think we're going to do okay. Good luck, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so I have the honor today to interview a very special person in my life. She's the love of my life. Aww. My queen. <laughs> wife of 14 years and mother to our four kids. She's a girl drifter, entrepreneur, photographer, founder and president of Drifting Pretty. Uh, she's a social activist and the reason why we're recording this podcast you're listening to. You guys are gonna make me cry. Nadine Stop. Sue. Stop. Welcome. So touchy. <laughs> you, I feel like I'm at the wedding altar and he's saying vows to me. He just says it's so sweet. You guys just ruined my intro. I'm sorry. That was a great intro. <laughs> that was a great intro. Yeah, you brought tears to my eye. It's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. How are you guys doing? <laughs> Sad now. I'm crying. <laughs> I almost uh, lost breath reading through that introduction. There's like so much that you do. I guess my first question would be, were you always so outgoing and ambitious? <laughs> no. I don't think I I was until, well, when I had my first daughter, Christy, when I was really young, like 17, <laughs> um, I think that's what kind of sparked my, my ambition. But being outgoing, that I think came later, like with confidence. And I think I didn't, I wasn't outgoing until like I started racing cars and stuff. So I think I was always really quiet. Like I know growing up, my mom was like, taking videos of me all the time. And I always saw myself in the videos and, and I would never said anything. And she'd be like, Hey Nadine, what's today? And I would just look at her like very blankly. Like I was pretty, I was pretty quiet when I was little. I, I, I know that. But I, I wouldn't take that as how, you know, that's how you were as a kid. Cause our kids do that too. You, they see when your camera's on and then you, you see them change instantly. Yeah. Right. What about you, Linda? Is Jalen like that when you turn your camera on? No, she's actually the same, well, which I find kind of I, weird because you know I'm, Jay, like, I'm like Nadine. <laughs> Jalen is an entertainer, though, so, you know, maybe that's different, but... Yeah, Jalen, how old is Jalen, Linda? She just turned daughter? 12. Yeah, Linda's daughter is 12. Ours is, a, one of ours is 11, yeah. so they're She's shy, close. you know, but anyway, so, <laughs> so back to your answer, um, 
something changed when you had Christy, your your oldest, and you, you said something sparked. Yeah. Your ambition sparked when she was born. What what was it about her being born that that sparked that? Um, I was I was in a bad relationship uh, with her dad, and so yeah, I did not have my first child with Benson, unfortunately. But I think if it wasn't for that, I would never have met him. So it all kind of worked out full circle. But um, but yeah, I was in an abusive relationship, and you know, I knew I wasn't going to end up with that guy. I knew I didn't want to be with him. Um, I knew I needed to get myself out of that situation and run for the hills, right? Like, so, and the only way to do that is is to control the situation. So I hurried up and went to school, got a job. Um, and then along the way, kind of took up some other hobbies too, which was kind of fun. Um, it just my car. Like I got into working on my car and um, going to the drag races because I used to love drag racing back in the day. Um, definitely different than the drifting that I started doing when I met you, honey. But but yeah, like I just, I don't know. I just, I tried to find avenues to still make life enjoyable and, and also just be independent so I can control the situation and make sure that I find a better future for me and my daughter because I knew that the situation I was in was really bad and I needed to get out of it. So that's what I did. And that kind of sparked my ambition to just keep progressing in life and um, beat the odds. Because when you're a teen mom, the odds are just totally stacked against you. And, you know, like you're pretty doomed, I think, unless you put on your big girl pants and find that spark you, you make it sound so easy like <laughs> like you you knew you were in a bad situation so you have ambition to get yourself out of it but what what does that actually entail because you know there are lots of teen moms out there or women that are in abusive relationships and they can't just you know people have a hard time getting themselves out of that hole like what did you have to do to find that I, the fear um, I was really scared and, um, the fear of not having control of the situation and just being with someone really crappy, um, really, I used that fear to fuel me to get out of it because I was just like, this is, this is the worst situation I could be in right now. And I have to, it, it's just, I can't like, I, I just can't anymore. It was like fed up, you know, when you, we were, <laughs> You, you, uh, you sit there and you're just like, enough is enough. And I really don't, I'm a very impatient person. So I definitely wasn't, I didn't want to have patience with this guy. Like I, I knew it wasn't going to work and I knew I didn't want to be in the situation and I just needed to hurry up. Like, so the, the fear fueled it and my impatience, you know, I didn't want, I didn't like where I was in at that time. I wasn't content and I wasn't happy. And it was just, I was in like a, halfway zone where I needed to just move forward so you know and I feel I, I feel like th because of what you went through it that tells you like, well, what type of a person you are like where you were where you were at you were pretty much at your lowest and the only thing you could go is go up so yeah um and what you did was well I've like I need to get out of here so I need to do something so that shows like you know what type of character you are and you know it's it's, it's very like strong 
and not a lot of women could do that and you, and that just shows your character so you know and i didn't know uh, thank you but i i didn't even know that i was it was just like i had my head down trying to make plans because and i didn't think i was a strong person at the time i i thought i was a pretty weak person um that had put myself in such a bad situation so i was very mad at myself and frustrated and nobody supported me like my family and stuff gave me such a hard time so it was like at the time I was far from feeling strong <laughs> it was more like I felt like I had no choice I had to get out of the situation so no oh, thank you though oh. and I know how you feel because I was at the same situation as you so I know I know what I it know takes you, you know so Kudos. I know. <laughs> I remember that. And Linda, on the next interview, we are so going to talk about that because that's right. I remember. It's crazy how a lot of us go through the same drama and we don't want to kind of admit it. And it's just. Well, you know, yeah. I, I think, um, you know, society does not praise teenage mothers. You know, it's kind of a, a stigma and people don't like to share their experiences or, or talk about it. Um, but I think we need. We need more of that, and we need more stories that show that it's not the end of the world, and um, you can make things better. And you know, just because you're in a certain situation, it doesn't make you less of a person, or um, it doesn't make you a bad person, right? I mean, everybody's different. We all have our life paths, and um, you know, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> thanks for asking. Yes, it's so eloquently. He's good. You're a good host, babe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only doing this once, so. <laughs> That's what you think. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you have any help or mentors during that time to help you out of it? Or did you have something that inspired you to to get out of it? Um, I had I had about two or three one was my teen mom counselor. Like when I was pregnant, I would go to these counseling meetings at the San Gabriel Hospital. They had like a teen mom support group. And I had a counselor, um, Kathy Ramos. And she was the best because she was a licensed marriage family therapist. And she wanted to genuinely help us. And so she would we would go I would go every week and talk to her and other teen moms and um you know, she, she gave me her undivided attention all the time. And I think I was probably the valedictorian of that group because those girls were going through some crazy stuff, but, but she helped me out a lot. And, and she knew that things were really bad with me and my parents. And she even came to my house and talked to my parents, which was insane because my family is really closed off and they would never go to counseling like ever. So, so Kathy did a lot you know, for our relationship, just trying to break through because my parents were kind of jerks. And then, um, you know, she helped me find my first job um, in accounting through the Seroptimus organization, which I'm still involved with to this day. Um, Seroptimus International, it's it's a group of businesswomen in the San Gabriel Valley. Um, I'm in, in the Alhambra San Marino San Gabriel chapter. And um, to this day, they're always helping teen moms. So, um, one of their members, Sophia, employed me as like an assistant in her accounting firm. And I ended up working there for like six years. And that's how I kind of got my start in in accounting. So um, and Sophia was a great mentor because she just inspired me to become independent, too, because she was a single mom. She just had divorced. But I think like those two women um, 
inspired me the most. And then later when I would go drag racing, there's this girl racer, Kimbo, and she had like a purple <laughs> Civic Coupe. Dude. Are we in Fast and the Furious okay, right now? <laughs> her name was, I, she was, her name was Kim, but she drove like a purplish um, Civic Coupe and the license plate said Kimbo. Uh-huh. For any of you Ontario street drag racer people back in the ni- late 90s, you know who I'm talking about. It was like the only girl, um, you know, running in Ontario and like she inspired me to go race because I was like, oh my gosh, she's the only one. And like, sure, she doesn't win every race, but like she's always out there like repping the girls. And I loved it because there were no other girls doing it. So so that, you know, I, I was like, oh, that would be cool if I could do that. So so she was an inspiration to me later too, but don't hate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Street racing. <laughs> it was fun. But I guess I didn't go enough because I didn't know who Kimbo was. <laughs> You're not the real deal, babe. Yeah, I'm just faking it. (laughs) (laughs) So you went through, um, you went to counseling. I I think that's really brave of you too. I mean, how many 17-year-olds are out there that are willing to accept that kind of help or, you know, go outside of talking to their friends or their family to seek help? I think that takes a lot of um, will, I think. Um, You know, kudos to you. That's something that not a lot of people do yeah that was I agree, I agree on that too because you know if you see you hear from someone you tell them to go counsel like i don't have a problem right yeah <laughs> even adults <laughs> at, at our age right they're not going to counseling they're like i don't need counseling but i i think that takes a special person to you know want want to fix the situation you have to think outside of the box or you know seek external help or do something that other people aren't doing yeah, I I didn't think of it like that. I just I was like I need to talk to somebody and I was alone. Like I had no friends that were teen moms and I had just met her at a hospital tour, you know, like they're like, "Oh, you could go to this program." I'm like, "Oh, that sounds cool. Then I could meet other people that messed up their life like I did." Cool, mm. you know? It was just like, "All right, why not?" That's so That's kind of like just... how we met. <laughs> what? Uh you counseling? Know, no, not counseling, <laughs> but you know, like a, a group of uh, people that had old Nissans. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Yes. But we met online. Don't forget that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I meet all my friends online. <laughs> so. Did you have no one to talk to because you don't want to talk to them? Um, because you think they'll judge you differently because you're a young mom? Yeah, it, it was that. Um, a lot of my high school friends you know, they, they were kind of, I had just switched schools too. Like I stopped going to, um, Arcadia high and then I had just transferred to Temple city high. So I was like the new girl. So already like I was kind of lacking in the whole close friends department. So, you know, I wasn't really talking to my old close friends from Arcadia and then my new friends, like I wasn't close enough to confide in them and talk to them anyway. So yeah, so it was just I was very alone. I, I literally had no no friends and, and the friends that did eventually find out, like after I had Christy, um, like they were like so supportive and they're like, Oh my gosh, I wanna meet her, you know? So it was like that was really nice. But during the whole pregnancy, like, because that's the shameful time when you kind of don't want anyone to know, then, yeah, like I was just going to teen mom group. That was it. Like those were my friends. But um, but I got what I needed. And, um, you know, it kind of put me in a good place. And I also saw people who are much 
worse or off than I was. And I knew that I did not want to go backwards and get into a situation even worse than they were in. So it was really good for me to see that. So yeah, go for counseling. Yeah, I think that's really good <laughs> advice. So you started talking about getting into cars and racing and drifting. And drag racing. And, um, and, <laughs> and other motorsports. Um, so one of the things, one of your accolades is that you are one of the very first women to compete in Formula Drift. And um, this was in 2005. And statistically thinking, speaking, if, if you think about um, all the people that drift, that aspire to be pro drivers, very few of them are able to get a Formula Drift license and compete. Mm -hmm. And if you take that subset of people and think about how many of them are female, you have like a very small number. And I could probably count the number of female drivers in Formula D that have ever drifted or driven in Formula D um, on one hand. I'm not sure, but, you know, there there's like a very small number. So you had a unique experience being one of the first uh, <laughs> doing it early on and being one of the few of us that have been able to compete as a professional drifter. Can you take us behind the scenes? What was it like those during those times um, just as a, a competitor and what was it like, what made your experience as a female driver unique? Oh, I'm going to take you behind the curtain. <laughs> it was really mind boggling for me. Um, I, it was a time when I didn't have as much confidence as I would have hoped I would have had because I was driving pro and I had sponsors that were paying me thousands of dollars to go drive with their name on my car. So I'm representing their company. And not only that, I have the whole like female, like basically whatever people see, I like see what I do, like they're going to judge and like, just say like all girls are like her or, you know, like I'm basically representing all the females. Um, and that, that was really, that was like heavy weight on my shoulders. So like, not only do I have to like, I got to do really well for my sponsors. I got to do really well for, for women and make sure I don't put them to shame. And <laughs> it was really scary, but, um, I knew that it was a once in a lifetime opportunity because I knew that maybe down the line I would have a bigger family and maybe I wouldn't be able to do it. So it was just like, I was savoring those moments and, and I had a really good time doing it, but it was the a time in my life where I think I had the most like skin, like, you know, thick skin growing opportunity. I, I don't know how to explain it, but it was just, it was a very trying time. It was like a, I, I can't say F, but mind effing time. Like, <laughs> you know, like I get so nervous, I'd feel like I was going to barf. And we, I think know. we all felt that. Yeah. Um, well, and I crashed. And like, that's your biggest fear, right? Like, I mean, <laughs> I didn't get hurt. That's probably your, should be my biggest fear. But my biggest fear was just like crashing because I don't want to crash. I don't want to make a mistake. And I did. And I was so disappointed in myself. And then I had to go through kind of like PTSD from hitting a K-rail. And my crash wasn't even that bad. But um, 
you know, you get this PTSD complex. And then every time I go to Formula D and I see a K rail, I think back at crashing the first time. So, you know, that was really difficult for me. And I, I got through it. And, you know, to this day, I'm probably still suffering from, you know, the PTSD with the K rails and crashing because it was just, I, I don't know what it is. Like, I can't get past that it's really weird so even when I'm like spectating sometimes I think back to like when I hit the k-rail like it's it's a really weird thing but like I had a lot of fun um traveling loading my car up onto trailers like those big you know enclosed trailers that transport race cars and um getting my my racing suit embroidered with all these sponsors names and you had a um, really nice racing suit I and it did. was like nicer than anybody's that I knew <laughs> I did but I, I had to sell all that ad space on my suit to get that suit and work out a sponsorship deal with Sparco so it was like I had to work for that stuff so hard and um you know, it was, it was a really great time in my life. So I think I, I learned a lot of like business skills from it. Um, my skin got thicker. Um, my mind was stronger. Um, I really learned how to focus and not crash after crashing. Like that's such a challenge and learned that it's okay to not qualify, you know? And I think my second event when we went to Chicago, like I didn't crash, but I didn't, I just missed qualifying. Like I think I, I missed by a few seats. Like I, I didn't qualify, but it was just but like... you did really good. And I think what you, when you say that your worst fear is crashing at Formula D, I don't think that is really your worst fear. I think your worst fear is you drive the course and you don't crash and it sucked. I think that oh, is worse yeah. than crashing. True, true. Yeah, like but I you, was oversteering the whole time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you drifted the whole course. I saw it and I was really proud of you. I thought you did really good. Thank you. Wait, were you guys together? when she was in Formula D? Yeah, yeah. Benson, um, he drove the season before I did, so... Yeah, we didn't drive at the same time. It was too hard because it, it just takes so much out of you. And, you know, Nadine was telling you how she felt like barfing before qualifying. Like, that's how we all felt. And um, she really needed my emotional support, uh, just like I needed hers when I was, when I was competing. So, um, and, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know who else was there for your emotional support, which I didn't realize is Mark, our yeah. sound engineer here today with us. Hey, Mark. Hey, what's up, guys? <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to chime in and talk about something that's not considered too often about being a pro, and that's just the logistics of it all, you know, from getting your car sent out to tracks all across the country to organizing and scheduling the people that are going to help you out and getting sponsors on board to help pay for it all. That's something that a lot of drivers can't and won't do. And the crazy thing about it is, you know, back then drifting was so new and so hot that you guys had to learn all of this stuff on the fly. And, you know, to deal with that, it's really underrated how much of a skill that is. So yeah, part of being a pro is being just that, a professional and working with sponsors and maintaining a relationship. So, you know, both sides are getting provided for it. Nowadays, drivers have people do those logistics for them. So I was always impressed on how you're able to handle all of that so well from the get-go. Yeah, I got to say that, um, well, I mean, one, there was that added pressure, right? Because you are selling yourself to sponsors and they were putting their stamp of approval on you by giving you money, um, giving you support through um, parts or, you know, whatever it may be. And you always felt that additional pressure to 
to prove yourself to them to return the favor by doing well for them and and showing that that they made the right decision. And so that was, you know, there was that added pressure. But also, I got to say, that was really difficult to do the selling. I did not like that at all. Um, and that I think that was my biggest turnoff when it came to professional drifting was, you know, getting sponsors. And I don't like um, telling people, I'm good, you should give me money. Um, like I just, that's just not part of my personality. And, and I had a hard time spinning it in a way that felt okay to me. And I had less to give than Nadine. Um, you are on TV so many times you are on the cover of LA weekly Carboy magazine in Japan. There was like, you're in a lot of media. And even if you didn't do well at that Chicago event, like there are so many other ways you were providing for your sponsors. Thank you. <laughs> I think my standards didn't let me look at it in that perspective because I was so hard on myself and I wanted to compete at a higher level and be like, you know, like a top eight driver or something like that, because it wasn't about being a female and being out there. I just wanted to be a good driver. And so that was like always my frustration is just like, I need to do better, do better. But, but I, I have to say, I couldn't have done it without, um, my agent because at the time, um, I had an agent van and it was funny. I met her from my first, through my first sponsor, Yokohama tires. And yeah, I, I got sponsored by them like in a couple years before and she was consulting for them. And she was my rep when I would tour with Yokohama and do autograph sessions. And then she ended up just being my agent and, she really helped me kind of be the jerk in negotiation because like that was fun for me, like getting sponsors and everything. But it, when it went time to like putting a value on my skills and advertising sponsors, like I hated that part, just like you hated that part. Like I hated it too. And I re relinquished that part to Van and it was so nice because then like I can talk to the sponsor all the way up till it's time to talk about money and then, <laughs> and then she took care of it. So I, I think that that part really helped get a good budget for my, for my Formula D campaign. Um, and I'm, I'm really thankful for that. And plus I had you, babe, like <sighs> telling me it's going to be okay. And to just make just the, just the events that I can make it to and, and not feel you know, pressure to, to go to every single formula drift for the rest of my life, you know, just take it one event at a time. And that was like, just the best outlook to have on, on, um, pro driving, but, oh, thanks guys. You guys are so sweet. This, I feel like this is counseling for me. <laughs> Damn. If only there was a documentary on this, I would have watched it. <laughs> uh -oh. I know. Hello out there. Anyone want to make a documentary? Um, what you said earlier about how you just wanted to be top eight driver, that sounds a lot to me like something that Danica Patrick said. Um, I forgot her exact quote, but she kind of went through what you went through, where she was one of the very few women out there in a male-dominated sport. And, um, you know, people were asking her. And she wasn't looking at it. Um, from the perspective of, you know, I want to be the best girl racer ever. She just wanted to be the best race car driver ever. Like that, that just shows a lot of character. You know, you, you're, you have your sights aimed high and, um, I don't know. I think that's cool. Thank you. And I, I, um, yeah, I love, 
I love hearing Danica's um, interviews when she like caps on the other girls like we're doing really bad <laughs> don't compare me to them i wish they would just drive and shut up and, she oh she's God. a competitor I so it. it's always entertaining <laughs> um so did, but did you did, when you were out there you felt the weight of all women on your shoulders when yeah. you're out there competing yeah because everyone i was the spectacle it's like oh there's that girl there's that girl there's, there's that girl let's watch her and maybe that was like my inside voices telling me that people were doing that but like that's how I always felt like from day one, like trying my first donut. That's how you feel like everybody is watching. And I had to keep telling myself like no one's watching. No one cares. No one's watching. No one cares. Like that's what I know now. Like that's that's how I get through things now. But at the time it was like the opposite. It's like everyone's watching. Everyone's watching. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. And it's just such the wrong mentality to have. But I had to go through that to to learn the right way to, to get through it. But I, I mean, Linda, I don't know if you, you felt like that when you were drifting. Yeah. When did you like, start driving Linda? Or when did you start drifting? 2006, 2007. Did you have a similar experience with, you know, being nervous no, and I feeling I like everyone think was so. watching you? I don't think so. Because when I first drifted was with you guys. So there was a lot of women was with drifting pretty. So I started off that way. And then when I went <clears throat> off on my own to do it, I still didn't think of it that way because I originally didn't think that way. So it just become a norm. Nice. Did you ever go driving not with Drifting Pretty? You know, go to a drift event on your own where you were like one of the few or the only one? Yeah. How, how I, did that I didn't, feel? I didn't, I didn't feel like, oh, I'm the only woman or I didn't yeah. think of it like I'm the, like, I'm not, I don't think of the gender role. Yeah. Because how I started off was, it seems like it's normal already. So I don't think that in my head like how nadine thinks it yeah nice yeah love it i love that that's like music to my ears that's why we have like, trailblazers so oh that not everyone has to be a trailblazer good i'm glad you didn't have to go through that linda that's good and i, I think you know over the years more women started driving and so it wasn't such a big deal but I, the first yeah. few years of drifting like there wasn't that was, there was not a whole lot yeah. yeah yeah for sure so i'm you know we talked about the adversity you had to go through as a teenager with abusive relationships and then formula d i'm kind of sensing a trend here like i feel like we're breaking down your life and you know we're talking about this event and this event and this event in your life and they all kind of started to build your character and mold you in a certain way i mean i definitely see that you're outgoing you are aggressive in the way you like if there's something that you see and that you want it or you want to, you know, make something happen, you do it. And um, and that's why I have you. What, why? Because I wanted you and I got you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she has a very strong will. <laughs> I want that guy. I did, I did not fight that hard. <laughs> yeah, so talk about that. And I feel like people that meet you through work or through Drifting Pretty, um, like that's one of the first things that is very apparent that you're a go-getter. Is that just through life experiences? Is that through maturity? Is there like some kind of life lesson that you learned? I think that being a go-getter, that's something learned. And I think once I started having those small wins in my life, like going to college, getting a first job, 
you know, moving out of my parents' house. Like each achievement got bigger and bigger and easier and easier to achieve. Like as they got bigger, it was like, oh my gosh, it's so hard, so hard. Then you get there, you're like, oh, wasn't it that bad? So I realized that like you can get pretty much whatever you want if you put your mind to it. You know, granted, I can't go like move to Dubai tomorrow. I mean, I guess I Maybe could. You can. I could. But like that's. You don't have any stuff with you. (laughs) (laughs) I can ship my car and then go drifting in Dubai. That'd be kind of cool. But um, yeah, like you can do whatever you want. And that's what's so beautiful about being in the USA, right? Like we have our freedom to do whatever we want, whether you're a female or male. And that's that's beautiful. So I don't want to sound spoiled, but like I've always gotten what I want because I figured out a way to get it the right way and earn it for myself and, you know, not rely on anyone else to do anything for me. So, you know, I think just my progression of getting the little things and they got bigger and bigger. And then I realized like, you can get whatever you want if you put your mind to it. It's really a simple, to me, it's a a simple notion and it's just, you put in the time, it pays off and and you get what you want. And like, just like I'm going to get a GTR and you keep telling me that I'm not, I'm going to get a GTR. <laughs> it's coming very soon. It is. Okay. I have my mindset. Maybe up. if they Set. make like a GTR van. Stop. Just stop. Yes, maybe. Get it. Get it, Nadine, so I could drive I, it yeah, too. Yeah, like it's not a dream. It's a goal. Okay. Okay. But I mean, like that's with anything. So, I mean. I think that's my job in our relationship <laughs> is to tell you no. Yeah, we know. <laughs> we know. But your no doesn't mean no. It doesn't. <laughs> It sucks sometimes to hear it because I don't like people telling me no, but I need to hear it. You need someone to tell you no. Yeah, I do. Whether I accept the no or not, (laughs) it's good that you check me sometimes. It's it's nice. Sometimes I tell you go. (laughs) Yeah. No. Like with drifting and drifting pretty and like all the big things that happened in my life since I met you, like you always tell me go. And like, and I was always kind of like, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I was always, I'm always on the fence, but you're the one that always pushes me and tells me like, do it. Why not? If you think you can do it, then do it. And then like, that's like the push, the final push that I need to kind of like make that next big thing happen. So maybe having a good husband like Benson is the key to getting what you want is you have to have a good support team, right? Like, somebody to check you and support you so i think i'll take that i I think also the lesson learned is um do all the things that i say go and then don't do the things that where i say no (laughs) no because all the important things in your life i've supported you to doing well getting a gtr is very important (laughs) so it's it's not that big of a deal babe We'll talk about that later. Okay. I almost thought you talked her out of it. It's <laughs> not going to happen, Linda. My mind is made up. It's just a matter of when. Uh, by the way, to everyone listening, I do want a GTR. You know, it's no, just... Don't. It's just not the most practical car, you know? Not right now, at least. Oh, it's practical. Okay. Can, it has four seats. We can put some of our kids in there. Okay. And I can go to work in it every day. But we have a family of six. <laughs> I know, but one's driving on her own and, you know. One doesn't need a seatbelt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I haven't worked that part out. Yeah, it's okay. We can work it out. It's okay. <laughs> I'll mod some seatbelts so we can do three in the back. It's fine. Oh, that sounds safe. Uh, I, I'll 
I'll make it happen. Toe strap. Toe strap <laughs> the middle kid. Stop. <laughs> Get a roll cage in there. Oh, that's real safe. <laughs> okay, so um, one thing we haven't talked about yet is uh, you're a photographer. I am. And uh, how long have you Thanks been a photographer? You. Thanks to you. You always egged me on. I, I've been a photographer. This is my eighth year being a professional portrait photographer. And would you say that um, you're happy doing it? I love it. It's it's one of my life's... Like, I didn't know I loved it so much until you kind of like, you're really good at taking photos, babe. You should <laughs> become a photographer. And I'm like, what? So... And you always... Um, you know, when we were at the track, you always had like a little point and shoot. Um, you know, the like digital cameras back then, they were like two megapixels or, um, you know, and they were really tiny and you'd have to bring it home with the memory card and put it in your computer and get the pictures out. But, you know, they were not very good cameras. They were pretty bad. Film photography was still like leaps and bounds better. But one thing that I noticed was that you'd always come home and um, I'd look at your pictures and, you know, I didn't know... Yeah, you know, I took art classes in school, but I was not good at analyzing why a photo was good. But I would look at your photos and you had a, such a unique way of framing the photo um, that I felt like I was looking at something through someone else's eyes. And I think that was the first time I ever saw that by looking at your photos. I'm like, that's interesting because I saw the same exact thing that you saw, but you shot it in a certain way that made the photo interesting and where I could just like look at it for minutes on end and just like, I didn't know what was interesting about it, but I knew that it was just a, like a different perspective. And why so why didn't you ever tell me that? I, I think I did tell you that, <laughs> but I mean, that's, that's, you know, I always saw that in you and I always joke, I tell everyone how, you know, you're left-handed and like, you know, we would play Pictionary with our friends and I hated having you as my partner because I could never guess what you were drawing and I was like you're left-handed what's going on and then you know I kind of discovered that um, through your photography is where your left-handedness comes in your left-handed like creativity comes in and so yeah it was cool it was cool seeing that kind of manifest itself later in your life and you didn't realize that was always there I know but I had no idea I I even saw pictures of my mom, my mom and dad when they would take photos when I was like, you know, seven or something. And I'm like, wow, my mom and dad were actually really good at taking photos. And I had no idea until like later in life when I saw their like black and white photography, like your film dad too? photos. Yeah, my dad. He and your take, grandpa. Yeah. My grandpa was a, a really big, um, he was really into event photography in the Japanese community. Um, yeah. So. so it's in your blood. It is, but I didn't even realize until you said, <laughs> babe. <laughs> so you weren't always a photographer, right? You you went to school. You had previous job experience doing or pursuing a different career, right? Which was accounting. Mm -hmm. Can you talk to us about what that was like transitioning or maybe discovering that you had a new passion in the middle of your, you know, your career was doing better and better every year. You were, you were climbing the ladder and being successful, I thought. Well, yeah, I was having a good time, so I thought, <laughs> in accounting when I started taking up photography. And at first, you know, it was a hobby. And then you encouraged me 
And I realized maybe I could make something out of that. And then I realized real quick that it's so much more fun being paid to do something you love versus something that you are content doing, you know, like, I guess the difference between like it feeling like a job and, you know, getting paid, like, wow, I get paid to do this. Like that, that's what photography was for me. So accounting um, is not exciting. (laughs) I, it, I tried to tell myself it was, (laughs) but no, accounting is not that exciting. I tried to tell myself that about computer programming too. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, I had a, I had a really good time transitioning because I got fired from my accounting job. My, and I had hit the top of the food chain and I was, I was a manager, um, and I had a really nice, like high position. And I thought like, this is where I always wanted to be. And then a few months in, I was like, this job is not where I want to be. And I think I messed up by, by taking this job. So it was such a godsend to get fired. Um, I'm just so glad that job didn't work out because then it kind of like showed me a crossroads to where like, okay, Nadine, like, what are you going to do? Are you just going to get another accounting job? Or maybe you should pursue your passion because you can still make money from that. And then, um, you know, and then we were trying to get pregnant at the time and like, that was not going well. Like I was trying for like three years trying to get pregnant and I, you know, lo and behold, I think it was just the stress from working in accounting, um, which is why I had unexplained fertility problem, uh, infertility problems. It's like, Oh, it's unexplained. It's unexplained. It's like, no, it's not, it's explained. It was stress because as soon as I got fired, um, I ended up getting pregnant. So it was really, it was really nice. So it was just a really nice time in my life where it was kind of obvious what the next step was. And of course I needed you to tell me, you know, and encourage me to take that next step. And you did. And like I did, and it's just like the best thing that ever happened to me. So, um, not best the, thing. The You're planets. the best thing <laughs> that ever happened to Thank me, you. but yeah. So <laughs> you weren't devastated when you got fired? Yeah, she was. I was, I was totally devastated, but you know, once I let it sink in, then, you know, figuring out like what was the next step, um, that's when I realized like, oh, wait a minute, you know, um, we got to figure this out. So it was just, but that first week yeah, I was like, so embarrassed and crying and, you know, longing for my old job back, wanting, wishing they'd take me back. And, you know, all those, I think those classic things when you, when you get fired, I mean, I've only been fired once, but I mean, I don't know. Have you been fired, Linda? (laughs) No, (laughs) I don't have like a handful of jobs. (laughs) I can fire you right now if you want to know what it feels like. (laughs) That's not nice. No, thank you. Oh man, Linda's too. Yeah, you guys are sweet. Like I'm, I'm the rebel. Well, you know, that got fired. You know, just to let everyone know, you didn't get fired because you were doing a bad job. I think you were just put in an impossible, an impossible situation oh, where yeah. you know you had a bunch of people that wanted to do things the old way and they weren't willing to change, and you were trying to make things modern. And you know, it was no fault of yours that you know no one explained that to you, and um, you know no no one had your back. No one wanted to change. Yeah. Um, And I I didn't know that going into it. It was just such a red flag when like everyone's like, I've been here for 20 years. I've been here for 25 years. And then I didn't even realize like, that's not good when you go into a new position and you're a manager and you're supposed to overhaul systems. It's like, there is no overhauling a system that's been the same for 20, 25 years. So, you know, not only did they want you to overhaul something, they hired 
a young, ambitious woman <laughs> to fill that role. So what did they think was going to happen, right? I don't know, but I'm just glad that happened. And I'm glad I had you to pick up the pieces and you're like, no, I, babes, not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I was just telling you that so that we don't oh, have to go on welfare. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> oh, my God. You have so many dips in your life and... It's, it's amazing how you could just lift yourself back up. Like, okay, what's my next step? <laughs> oh, I know. It's so much drama, right, Linda? Like, what is this ugly drama in Nadine's life? Like, teen mom gets fired. <laughs> but, I mean, you had to, you had to overcome those things to become who you are. I mean, if you, I feel like, I have had a really charmed life and I can't really think of many difficult times I had to go through. I didn't have a lot of adversity I had to overcome. And I feel like maybe that's why I am the way I am. Like I'm really mellow and easygoing and I'll, I'll do things when, when things need to be done, but you are a lot more ambitious than I am. And I feel very comfortable supporting you and your, um, you know, if you have some lofty goal or ambition, I'm so happy to support you. And especially as an entrepreneur, I feel like you need that. But for me, I'm, I'm good with just going with the flow, <laughs> you know, but yeah, like all of these dips, they really molded you to who you are. And, you know, that's why you are here today being a guest on this podcast and not me. <laughs> <laughs> so you think <laughs> oh thank you honey you're so sweet this um, is really like group therapy you guys oh my gosh so let's see what else do we have um i called you a social activist in your intro <laughs> and word. i don't think anyone has ever called you that but i was thinking about it and i think you are well, thank you. That's a really big, it sounds like it's, very big shoes. It, yeah, it does. But I mean, there's, there's so many different forms of activism. But I want you to know that you are championing women empowerment through this organization mm -hmm. and through cars and through this podcast. And I definitely see you as a social, social activist. So you need to put that on your resume. Oh, that's, very, that's such a big word. I know. It sounds scary, right? Yeah. You're not Malcolm X. No. Okay. But, uh, you know, you are out there and you are looking for social change. Thank you. And um, I don't know. I think we've seen a lot of good change come from Drifting Pretty, I think. We've touched a lot of lives and we've seen, we've seen a lot of transformation. Do you have any stories you'd like to share? about Drifting Pretty and some of the lives we've touched? Or is there something that stands out to you? Um, well, I mean, just, I mean, that's why I wanted to do this podcast is because I feel like all the girls who are still like with Drifting Pretty today, girls, women who are here with Drifting Pretty today, like they all have been touched by this organization and they all have such amazing stories that like I'm so excited to like get into. And, you know, I'm going to use Linda as, as an example because I remember so much because we had a lot in common, you know, because um, she joined Drifting Pretty and she had, I think she was with some, correct me, Linda, but you're with some like loser dude 
I hope he's not listening. Your baby daddy's not, it wasn't going to work out. And, and like Linda wasn't pregnant at the time, you know, she had just, she got her car, but I knew she wasn't with the best of guys. And then I think like, then she ended up getting pregnant and that was like a bad thing for Linda. Like she didn't, she was scared. And then I, I kind of shared my stories with her and, and I saw Linda at her weak point when like she hit the hay bales, you know, with her car, she <laughs> crashed, you know, as we talked about in episode zero, um, you know, like I've, I've seen Linda at, at her low points too. And, and then I see her kind of pick up the pieces and leave the dude after like, and I'm so happy she did. And, and she kind of like rose from the ashes just like I did. And, um, you know, like she has her own success story too. And, and now she's just this really strong, independent woman. Um, she's a single mother who is good at drifting and is like rocking out as a software engineer and providing for her, her daughter. And like, you know, like that's just to me, like a drifting pretty success story. And like, it makes it all kind of full circle for me. Like even today, I didn't even know. Right. And Linda tells me like she went to a drift event by herself and she didn't feel any pressure. Like that's amazing because I didn't even know that. So just like hearing that kind of feedback from one of our members, it's just, it's so touching. Cause that's kind of like why I've been at, you know, grinding at in drifting pretty for 17 years is to make sure nobody has to have, you know, nobody has to go through the drama that I went through. I mean, yeah, so they're all good examples, but Linda is especially a really good example because I think me and her have come from the same kind of, like, ugly drama to, like, good, like, we're in a good place in our life. And I don't think that, I think because of Drifting Pretty, like, we're in that good place. So, yeah. I wanted to circle back to, to what you said earlier when you said that when you were pregnant, you didn't have that support system. You know, you're all by yourself. And then when I went through it, like I had you guys too. So it's like, it's not car related, but it's, you know, something that helped me through too. Yeah. I remember your, we threw your baby shower. I remember that. Like <laughs> we yeah. did Linda's baby shower. That was fun. Yeah. So thank you guys for being there for me. Oh, <laughs> always. I, I really appreciate the friendships we've made through Drifting Pretty. They're like lifelong relationships and um it's beautiful to see how um something like cars a common interest in cars you know our, our friendships can be bigger than that and we're there for each other when we have problems when um you know to celebrate our successes and see all of us be there for each other it's really great agreed linda it's crazy i i don't remember what year you started but man, you have changed so much since the day we first met you. Like you've come so far. Um, In a good way. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really amazing. I don't reflect back on our relationship that much. But like when Nadine, um, you know, talking about the old days, um, some of the adversity you had to go through, looking back on all of that, uh, you are a very good example of a successful story for Drifting Pretty. Oh, thanks. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Group, therapy Group therapy at its best. Group hug. <laughs> air hug. Air, air hug. Hugs. COVID, COVID air hugs. Okay, so 
maybe I want to start with what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, that's hard. Full of GTRs, number one. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, my legacy, I just want to, I mean, I want Drifting Pretty to be a part of my legacy. And, and I want to make sure that the organization stays around for longer than I'm alive, for sure. And, um, with, and make sure it operates under the same values that it's developed into, because I think at the beginning it was all about driving and, and now it's just, you know, about so much more. And, um, I, I want to be known for, for that, for sure. And then, um, being a good mom and not letting having four kids take away from like who I am, you know, cause it's just so easy when you have four kids in a family, like to just lose yourself. Um, so, you know, I just want to be a good mom and know that maybe that once I was a badass drifter and now I'm a badass mom who takes photos. I, I don't know. I, to me, it's just like a humble legacy I want to re be remembered for. I mean, it's just, I didn't lose myself and, um, I provided for my family and trailblazed for some women drifters and I don't know. How do you, how do you... <laughs> I, we didn't really touch that much on, on having four kids. And I think, you know, there are a lot of parents out there that have difficulty with one or two kids. You've got four, yet you still seem to be able to, um, go out and get things started with a new idea that you have, or, um, you know, this podcast, for example, this kind of came out of the blue. There are projects that you have, goals that you set for yourself. Whereas some people are just like, all I can do is raise my kids. Where do you, where do you find that? How, you know, where does that come from? Okay. I have, I have three things I'm going to pull from that I remember. <laughs> Why, how can I do this? And number one is, is you. Cause I need support from my husband. And, um, without you signing off on everything and just being like, being a Don, like I wouldn't be able to do any of this, like no joke to having support, you know, like your, your mom babysits our kids, like any chance she can get, like she wants to genuinely like watch them and be there with them and spend time with them. And I think having, having such a supportive, um, mother-in-law is, is huge because then it's like that can afford us the luxury of, you know, her watching them when we can't, and we don't have to have this guilt that we are leaving them with a stranger. So, so having a good support system at home and then, um, just having that ambition to, to set a good example and leave a good, I guess you're going back to your legacy thing, right? Like just lead by example and, and make sure I have this, I leave a legacy for my children and want to leave them <clears throat> with something to like inspire, like that they can look back on and maybe that'll drive them to, to be better in their lives and not settle for the norm. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I would hope that they would aspire and want more and do more with their life than just fall into those boxes that we all fall into, you know, 
initially. So, yeah. so yeah, there you go. Yeah, There's good. your three. I like it. I'll take that. <laughs> that's a hard one. Yeah. I'm, I'm here for the, the heavy hitting questions. Um, okay. So I think, I think our time's up. So, okay. um, yeah, that was a doozy. You came out unscathed or is this one of the, um, adversities you had to go through? Yeah. <laughs> I, I think, um, you know, just thinking about our conversation, I think the lessons are to surround yourself with a good support group because you had a support group when you had Christy at a young age, you had a support group to help you start your accounting career. You had a support group with drifting pretty and you have family as your support group. You have, you've had like support from so many people and it sounds like you couldn't have done this on your own. No way. Um, but you know, sometimes you had to go out and, and find a support group, like when you were pregnant. Yeah. Um, so don't be afraid to go out and seek help. We can't, we can't do everything on our own. Some Preach. things, some things we can, but <laughs> you know, don't be afraid. So, uh, in closing, I want to thank you, Nadine, for taking the time out of your busy schedule to be a guest on your own podcast <laughs> and letting me ask all the hard hitting questions. People say to surround yourself with people that inspire you to be better. And you definitely do that for me. I watch you be a role model to all of our kids. Um, I see you change people's lives with Drifting Pretty. You're a dreamer, but I see you put in work to make those dreams happen. I think that's one of your best qualities. You see something that should be done and you make it happen. Even if you have to step outside of your comfort zone to do it. Look at all the things you've accomplished in your life. It's astounding and you have so much more ahead in your future. I'm proud to be able to call you my best friend and my wife. Thank you for being a beacon of inspiration to almost everybody you come into contact with, but mostly for inspiring me. Uh, Jalen Rose often says every man's dream is to be with a woman who makes other people say, dang, how do you get that? <laughs> so I'm happy to say I did that. That's me. So I'm the this goat, is... everybody. I love you. <laughs> love you too. This has been such a touching episode. I wish <laughs> I wish people, the listeners could see these videos because, like, I have like goosebumps, like, in so many parts of yeah. this. You have to pay episode. extra for that. <laughs> <laughs> it's paid membership. Oh well, thank you, thank You're you, welcome. you guys, and thank you, Honey Buns. Yep. I love you. And man, every time Benson like comes at me with these really, really sweet talks like that like what he just said right now like I get flashbacks of like being at the altar and him like looking at me the same way telling me the you know his vows and stuff it's like the same I got that look I didn't say the same thing I, I? I know no you said even better things because you're like not a little punk anymore like you're this grown man with some life experience and I love it so just yeah, I love it. I feel Thank like I'm you. witnessing a second vow. I know. I know. This yeah. is my vow renewal. Yeah, yeah. We Thanks, saved guys. a lot of money. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I have a vision for that. All right, guys. All right. Aww. Thank you, Linda. Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Nadine. Thank you. Thanks, guys. guys so much. Um, 
Hmm. This show's so great because I got tears and Linda got goosebumps and I got new vows and <laughs> we got a like this guy Benson, he could just take over and host for me when I don't want to host. So this is great. So it was a good trial. Little does he know, he'll be like... <laughs> I'm not going to listen to this, by the way. I'm going to call out sick sometimes. <laughs> and we know he's very capable of hosting. So love it. On that note, we're going to go to the next and final segment of this episode, which is Adventures in Being a Parent. And as you just heard, Linda and I are both parents. And I think Linda is a really great parent. And I wanted to ask her some questions. And I think she wanted to ask me some questions. So we're going to do kind of a lightning round of questions quickly. But for those of you who are going to be parents or are parents, I hope this can help you as much as I hope it can help me. So, Linda, I'm going to hand it over to you, and you can ask me a question. So, there's something I really wanted to know, was that when you were a single parent, what gave you the courage or to date again? Ooh. And Because, you know, it's kind of hard being a single mom, right? Because you have a daughter, and not a lot of guys would want to date someone that has a kid. So, did you have to go through anything like that? Yeah, I think I I knew that I had to get back out there because I was coming off a relationship with such a loser <laughs> and I knew I could do better. But I had that same, I guess, damage, right? That I'm, I'm damaged goods because I've got this kid or I've got baggage. And um, I still met guys. And, and it was amazing because I think me looking at it as baggage made it more difficult on myself. But I think later I realized that, you know, like when I met Benson, right? Like, I think I was coming out of that baggage feeling like I don't have baggage. It's just a bonus. It's just another bonus that you get with me is you get me and you get my adorable, sweet daughter. And so I, I think changing your, your mindset and realizing that it's not this negative connotation, like, yeah, you have a child from another another relationship but so what i mean that's just that's just a bonus so look at it as a positive thing rather than this like ooh you know um i think just changing that outlook will give you more confidence to find love again so when you started dating benson when did you feel like it's the time to talk to your daughter that you're you know, going to start dating somebody oh wow well <sighs> I know or did you even that, have a talk? <laughs> no, I, at that time she was too young. And so I, I didn't really have a talk with her. Um, and I would just say like, oh, this is my new friend. Um, but if she was a little older, like, you know, probably like eight, nine, ten, then I would be a little bit more careful in introducing her. Because I, I think their memory gets better as they get older, right? And so that's, I think, when I would take more care with introducing somebody new into their life. Because then they start building a, a relationship with your new boyfriend, too. And, you know, some may push back and some won't. And, you know, like when they're younger, like Christy was, she was just like, oh, he's fun. 
I like him. You know, just like they don't have any perspective. She was four, I think. Yeah, she was four years old. Like she was a smart, smart cookie, but she was super young and super impressionable. And, you know, you can't. Yeah, it was I didn't really have to have a talk with her. And I think by then my filter was pretty good on meeting guys. So I knew right away, like if they'd be good dad material for her or not. So I've already, I had already vetted Benson and I knew that he was excellent dad material and he had a good job. He had a good car. He's very respectful, very, very nice. Comes from a very good family. Like he he checked all my boxes. So, and I think as a mom, like that's your job is to, to vet people before they are exposed to, you know, like b- before your child meets them, right? Like, cause you're searching around, not just for a mate for yourself, but a father for your child, whether or not your baby's sperm donor daddy is still around or not, like it don't matter. Like you are looking also for a father for your child. So I think vetting will make that conversation easier. And so I know I did my vetting very well and i won (laughs) and mark chiming in again uh benson i was just curious to hear your point of view in all this because when you started going out with nadine you obviously wanted to start a relationship with her but that comes along with starting a relationship with her daughter christy so and it's a situation you don't hear talked about too often so i was just wondering what it was like for you during that time um yeah it was it was very a very unique experience um, because I I didn't know anyone that dated a single mom before, um, and so I I there was no advice that could be given to me from anybody that I knew, um, but I did know that I, I always wanted a family. I love kids, um, and you know Nadine saw me as. Um, you know, very like she, I checked all her boxes, you know, I came from a good family. Like I was very stable for me. It, it was a little different, right? Because when I met Nadine, she's gorgeous and she had this, uh, single kid and, um, you know, she was living on her own and, you know, not a good example of, um, you know, living a very stable life. And I knew that I had to be careful because whatever relationship I had with Nadine, I was also starting a relationship with her kid. And so, I, you know, it just made me really cautious. I constantly had to make sure that, you know, what I was getting into was long term. Otherwise, you know, I couldn't I couldn't do that to a four year old child. But, you know, it, it didn't take me long to realize that Nadine was long-term material and I had um, very special feelings for her and so I think I just needed time to make sure but yeah it's definitely something where you can't just uh, take things like that lightly you have to be really serious and I, I don't think that all men are equipped to deal with that I feel like a lot of men don't they're not exactly sure what they want or sometimes they're wishy-washy and um, I don't know I'm definitely not that so you know, although I took a lot of caution, it wasn't that difficult for me. That's because you're a superstar. Mark, are you going to date a, 
a girl with a, <laughs> no. a kid? I, just, uh, I thought it was interesting because it's one of those dynamics that you don't hear talked about too often like this, you know, because right. there's so many single moms out there. But for those that are trying to date them, you don't often hear about their point of view and the things that they had to go through. Yeah. And I know that Benson has a unique experience with that. So, you know, I just thought it'd be pretty cool to hear. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark. I like that. That goes for the other side as well, because, you know, you said Benson checked all your boxes, but I'm sure there was some building you had to do with Christy and bringing Benson into your lives as well, you know? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's like this so. protective layer that okay. us moms have up. Yeah. Um, every, yeah. Every moment, I think, that you're with that new person is, is a vetting moment. And the longer you with them, you're with them, then the more apparent it's going to be that they're... Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, and they're they're good material. So yeah, but there, there was also like a protective layer with Christy too, right? Because she was very young, and she she's always loved her dad, and um, you know there was some confusion there for her, and um, it was just constant reaffirming with her that I never wanted her to feel like I'm trying to replace him or push him out the door. I never asked her to call me dad. So I, I needed to make sure that she knew I respected who he is in her life um, and that I wasn't there to get in the way of that. And I loved that. And I think that's very important because I remember growing up, my mom dated somebody and we felt like he was trying to be our dad. and. We were very, not a lack of a better term, against it, but like we just felt like you need to get out of here. Well, who are you to us? Like, right. why are you, you know, telling us to, to take the trash out? Like, you know. Right. Well, I mean, you're, you're, you're very territorial about your family, right? Like, this is my yeah. family. You know, you can't just come in here and and change it all, you know. I, I get that. And, and I had some difficulties with um, being a parent to her sometimes because I felt, sometimes I felt like, it was not my place to say or to, to uh, teach her certain things about life because I wasn't her dad. So, yeah, it, it's it's complicated. Okay. Um, I'm going to ask you one question, Linda, because that's just that's why I thought about this segment. And I, I really genuinely want to know this. Like, I didn't come up with a question. Like, I already had a question in mind for you because I was going to ask it anyway. <sighs> <laughs> so, Linda, your daughter, Jalen, she's taking up singing and she is on Instagram and TikTok. And, you know, she's like going, to, she's building her social media empire. She's kind of turning into almost like a future social media influencer. I, I really do feel like that. Like, and your daughter's, how old is she? She's 12. She's 12. She's 12. And and it's so different than, you know, our daughter, Elise, who is 11. And Elise, like, she's into watching that stuff. But, like, she doesn't want to do that stuff. She's not like, Mom, I'm going to start a, you know, a channel and I'm going to start singing. And, you know, like, none of that. And, and I, I actually admire the confidence that Jalen shows you know, that, that she has. And I, I just want to know, like, do you think that there was something that you did to like build that confidence or instill that confidence in her? Like, like, how did it go? Like, did she ask for permission? And, 
how do you think she got that confidence to to do those those types of things? Um, I think that as she was growing up, I kind of made her to be very independent and kind of like be out there in the world. So that that kind of made her not be afraid. So what I mean by that is like, I think she probably when she was like f- five, six or so, like every place we go, if we order something, I was like, well, there's the cashier. You could tell them what you want. I would tell her to, you know, do that. And then at first she was scared and then um, she does it more often and then she'll, she'll do it herself. So there's like many of these events where I was like, okay, that's what you want. Okay, go do it. So it's the encouragement that she could go do it herself. So I guess going now throughout the years, whatever she wants to do, she comes to me. He's like, hey, mom, I want to do a YouTube channel. I was like, okay, what do you what do you need from me? He's like, I need a mic and I need a camera. I was like, okay. <laughs> so it's just the encouraging of her to be whatever she wants to do. She has to go get it. She has to do it and be independent. And I kind of kind of ingrained that in her head when she was really young already. I think that your DNA is in there giving her the confidence. <laughs> I really do because I make Elise, my 11-year-old, order for herself. And she does it and she reluctantly does it every single time. And like, I don't know. Like, really? That's all you did, huh? Were you like that, Linda, when you were younger? No. <laughs> but I was, I felt like I was a, a an adult already because my mom was always the one that tells me about bills and how much everything costs. But she doesn't tell it to my older sister. She tells it to me. So I do feel a little bit more like mature early on already. And so I kind of know about how life is supposed to be like, oh, this is this is how much it costs to pay rent. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> you know, so I do feel a little more mature to begin with. I think because I know I go through some hardships because we were pretty much a family of six. My mom was a single mom and there's like five kids. So it's kind of like you had to be driven also like you want something, you got to go do it. Like, I can't go ask my mom for money because she doesn't have money, you know. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so... Is that what our kids feel like? <laughs> what? They can't get it if they want. They gotta make it happen. <laughs> our kids are privileged. I don't know. <laughs> Do they ask you for stuff? Yeah, they ask us for stuff all the time. I, I was just saying because, you, you know, your mom had six kids and we have four kids. I don't well, think five. it's like that. I don't think it's the same. <laughs> it's different. I don't know. Okay. Well, thanks, Linda. I, I was always wondering that because I really admire the the great job that you've done with Jalen. And I, I love how confident and mature she is, despite the fact that she's only 12 years old. And and I really admire that because I, I would hope that at least one of our kids <laughs> ends up being, I mean, I'm not saying like, that's the definition, like they need to be a social influencer. I'm just saying, you know, have the confidence that Jalen has. And I, it, it shows in those videos I see of her online and it's amazing. And like, I think you're doing a great job and I guess it's your DNA and, and how you're bringing her up. And I, I love it and I admire that. And I, I hope that my kids will have the same, develop the same confidence that Jalen does. So just keep giving me tips, okay? I, I think as parents, <laughs> you, you want to see your kids as a reflection of you, right? And that's who you you are. You're very outgoing and ambitious. And if there's something you want, you go out and get it. And so, like, you want to see that in your kids. And, but, you know, 
we have four kids, so they're all going to be very different. Agreed. And yeah. Linda, where do you stand on the nature versus nurture debate? Do you know about that? I think it's a little bit of both because, I mean, you have to have that strong will to begin with if you want to, you know, succeed in different things in life. And it this relates perfectly with Nadine's story. Like, you know, she has that strong will when she had the kid and all the, you know, all the events that she went through kind of made her who she is. So you have to have that little foundation to begin with in order for you to, you know, push yeah. and roll. I feel like Jalen's very independent and she has that strong will. And I mean, as mothers, we just, you just got to be there and push her to whatever she wants to achieve. Right. Well, I love it. I think you're doing a great job, Linda, with Jalen. Thanks. Oh, all right. All right, guys. Well, I am going to wrap this episode up. And thank you so much to Mark, to Linda, and to the love of my life, Benson, for for being this knockout host. Probably better than I can do. So now I have big shoes to fill. So thank you very much. But... um. This episode is now complete. On the next episode of the Drifting Pretty podcast, I get together with Mazda and fitness guru Sarah to interview fitness queen, mommy of one, software engineer, who is just a co-host on this episode, Linda Nguyen, about being a professional in a male-dominated industry and how she escaped a toxic relationship and became an independent single mother. You don't want to miss that one. I'm going to close this episode with a request. We're going old school and opening up the voicemail line. So please drop us a voicemail with a general question or a question directed to one of us on our podcast inbox. Like, hey Nadine, how do I get started in drifting? Or, hey, Linda, what's your fitness meal plan? Whatever it may be, just drop us a line at 626-657-6608. 626-657-6608. And in the meantime, you can follow me at Drift Queen on Instagram or my studio, Sachiko Studio, S-A-C-H-I-K-O Studio on Instagram. And please follow Drifting Pretty at Drifting Pretty on Instagram and DriftingPretty.com. And we will see you in the next one. <laughs>